awesome, hey. I'm excited to bring uh, the, the word, and it's about the fear of God, all right? It's about the fear of God that leads to miracles. Hello, everybody watching online. So glad you tuned in. Um, I love talking about that. It's not something we talk about it all the time, but it's a good topic. So you might th- sit here and think like, you know what? If God would do a miracle, if I would see his greatness, if he would answer my prayers, if then I would have a fear of God, I would trust in him, I would believe in him, I would obey him, I would honor him, if I would see miracles. You know, in the Bible, we actually read about that, where people came up to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, if you do this miracle, then I will trust you. Then I will have fear of God. Then I will obey you. Then I will honor you. And Jesus didn't do it. And you know, actually, in a lot of the scripture, we read that just because somebody experienced a miracle, that's not a given or that's like a, that automatically afterwards, people start to believe in God. So why don't we turn together to Numbers 14 in the Bible. It's also on the screens. And we're going to go back and forward from the New Testament to the Old Testament, the story of the Jews um, being led out of Egypt into the promised land. So that's the context. And here it says, Nevertheless, as surely as I live, as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw, let's everybody say saw, saw my glory and the signs I performed, miracles in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will ever see the land. So people saw it, but they didn't obey him, right? They saw the miracles. They saw crazy things. Like if, you, if you're familiar with that story, God made like the craziest um, move in Egypt and the craziest like after effects with fire and clouds and food and water, like crazy miracles, but they did not trust, obey him. So you could say, all right, that doesn't necessarily mean that if you see a miracle, you have fear of God. Let's put that, change that, the order. What about if there is fear of God, will it lead to miracles? Why don't we turn together um, to Acts chapter 2, it says, and they devoted, so the the first Christians, after Jesus went to heaven, the first Christians, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And an awe or fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Well, you could argue maybe that happened at the same time, not just because of the fear, but it's interesting how it says here there was an awe of God and God made, you know, performed a lot of miracles. So because I do believe if we have fear of God, if there's an awe of God, it will release kind of like heaven. It's, it's something that is actually ingredient of revival. It's something that where there is fear of God, God suddenly gets its proper place and is able to move in a way 
that maybe beforehand he wasn't able to. Well, you would say he's able to do anything, but there was kind of no room for him to do. You know, like she said, like in, in some towns I come, there's no faith and I'm not going to do any miracles. So let's quickly, I love, I love looking back into history. And I came upon the story of the revival of the Hebrides. I hope I pronounce it well. I was actually uh, rehearsing the Hebrides. Do you know, who knows where the Hebrides are? Anybody? No? Are you serious? Or right, I'll teach you guys. I'll, my, for my hobby, I go through Google Maps and I'll look up stuff. And uh, the, the Hebrides, they are like islands, top of England in Scotland. You can Google it now, right? And there are a lot of islands, right? And so there were islands up there in 1949, okay? Who was alive in 1949? Some people? A couple of people? No, 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 Stefan, I know you. <laughs> anyway, so 19, not that long ago, all right? Not that long ago. 1949, in the Hebrides, there were two women praying for the islands there. Praying because they were just not, they, they, they were like, they couldn't just take the, the state of the, the community, the no reverence of God. And they started praying. One of them, she was blind, both were very old. And they started to have prayer meetings. And at one of those prayer meetings, there was a young man coming. And they had their prayer meeting and the man was like reading from the Bible where it says like where they are clean hand, where there's somebody with a clean heart, you know, come to me. And he stopped reading the Bible. He stood up and he just quickly prayed and said, God, are my hands clean? Is my heart clean? Stopped praying, fell to the ground. And everybody was in awe. Because they realized, well, so something happened now. And it was actually the birth of the revival of the Hebrides. Well, afterwards, people, just because of the presence of God, they started to, to confess the sins, to turn around, come to church. There was no meeting. They were like, they, there was no planning behind the revival. It was, it was a fear of God that came upon that town, came upon that church building, came upon those people. And it started because this one guy suddenly realized, you know what? God, are my hands clean? Or like, is there any, like, search me, oh God. Is there anything that does, does not honor you in my life? And it's so interesting that actually where there is a fear of God, where there is a reference of who God is, and that often comes together with realizing that we are not God and we need God and we are, we need forgiveness. Some, something happens. And afterwards, like heaps of people started to, to turn around and the clubs got like emptied and they came to church and they didn't know what to do with it. So they called the pastor over. And afterwards, he was like the known the pastor for, from that revival. But he said, that was not my thing. Revival didn't come because of me. It became, became because of those women praying, believing, prophesying over, that, over those islands 
Isaiah that like they were always saying, you know, may, may the Spirit of God come on those dry land. It, it came because of reverence, of fear of God. And he actually quoted, there is a kind of gospel being proclaimed at Duncan Cumble. There is a kind of gospel being proclaimed today which conveniently accommodates itself to the spirit of the age and makes no demand for godliness. So he said like, you know what? Godliness is such a key ingredient for God to move. So you might also, all right, what, let's dig in a bit more. What's the fear of God? What is it actually? I would describe it, it has to do with two things, obedience and position. It's where we know and we acknowledge that God is God and we are not. Where we know, you know, God, He's holy. He is the creator of all heaven and earth. And we have a reverence because we know who He is. There is a position and we acknowledge the position of God. I remember not that long ago at the funeral of the Queen Elizabeth. I was watching it and I was telling my kids, you know, like you, there's a lot of things that is trying to get our attention nowadays, but it's actually no real worthy of our attention. But here history is being written. At the funeral, billions of people watched a lady who like served the country for years. And you might think about monarchy, whatever you want. That's not my point. But the point was, there was a queen being buried, a funeral being held. And at one point, you saw the president of the United States somewhere in the back row, next to the Swiss president, <laughs> of course. You know, like, they're like buddies. Like. Maybe you saw the picture, but it actually touched me because in the presence of that queen, he was just somewhere back in some chair. God is the king of all kings. And sometimes we think we are the man, we are the woman, but actually in his presence, we're just, we're glad if we can join the funeral, if we can join the meeting, if we can join it and just be somewhere and realize I'm not God. I'm not the king. He is. It's about position. The th second thing is about obedience. That's awesome. It's about obedience. It's about where the fear of God comes, there suddenly a, a, there's a, a reverence and it just grips us and we want to do His will. We, we trust Him. We honor Him so much that we want to follow His wisdom. We actually, it's not a fear of God. It's not something that makes us to run away from Him, but it makes us run towards Him. Because we realize, you know what? He is God and Almighty. He is powerful and He is good. And I want to do his will. David in the Bible, the fear of God caused him, that little shepherd boy, to go after Goliath. Why did he go after Goliath? Because he said, who is that Goliath who takes the name of God into the dirt? Come on. It was a fear of God that came upon him and said, that's not okay with me. I'm going to go up to him, up against him. And if God is with me, I'm going to, you know, destroy him. It was the fear of God that the, those three brothers, Shadrach, Mehek, and Abednego, that they were not afraid to not bow down to that statue of that king. Who said, even if, God, if we would have to go in the, the fire, we will not bow down because there is fear of God. They were not sure if God would deliver them out of the fire. But there was a fear of God 
on their life and the result was an amazing miracle. They would be in the burning fire, but they would not get burned. So you do get the picture. It's important. All right. Do you get the picture? Can you, can you just nod? All right. Thank, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. All right. Fear of God is so important. So I'm going to go into now three points where the fear of God, how we can develop in our life, because I think it's so necessary. And one point is when we start to look back. The fear of God um, causes us to look back. And the question is, what is our testimony? When we look back, what is our testimony? All right, I'm going to try to write it. Well, test the Money. Say, right? What's your testimony? Your testimony can be a, gre- a key ingredient in having fear of God. So, because often we, we forget what's happening. Looking back is a bad, bad master. The, the past is a bad, bad master, but the past is a really good advisor. So, why don't we turn to the Bible again and we, we go in Psalm 78, okay? We're going to read a lot of Bible, but even if the message is bad, the Bible is still good. And so you can just keep that. And uh, it's actually interesting. So the Jews, they were delivered out of Egypt. And that Psalm writes about that. It says, we will not hide from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonder he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them. Even the children yet to be born and they in turn will tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. So what he says is, if you want to have the fear of God, remember what God has done. Tell about the miracles. Tell about the miracles. Tell your kids about what God has done. Tell your descendants and their kids again what God has done. In another verse, it says in Exodus chapter 12, The same story, the Jews being delivered out of Egypt. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? The ceremony here is about the Passover, where Jesus said, like where God said, you know, if you put the the, the blood of the lamb over your doorpost, I will pass through, I will not kill your firstborn. I will deliver you. And then he says, hey, and then celebrate that every year to not forget what I have done. Then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the house of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our home when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. Can you see the pattern? I'm trying to work through a pattern, okay? Can you see the pattern? Looking back, tell your kids. The question is, what's your testimony you might not have kids, but what's your testimony to your friends? What t- what's your testimony to yourself? Are you looking back what God has done? Are you looking back what God has done in the Bible? Are you looking back what the God has done in history? Are you looking back? It's important to look back. We, we learn so much from history. I love it when 
my dad sometimes tells story about um, his grandfather and his great grandfather and how they experienced God. That was his my my great grandfather. He um, he was running a factory, uh, embroidery factory, and. My dad would tell the story that he would walk through the factory and then he would see um, a couple of disabled people working. He was always one machine, disabled people worked on that machine. And then he said, like, well, but he was like studying economics and he said, that doesn't make sense. They will not, they, they will not be worth their money. The speed they're working, they're not worth their money. And then my great-grandfather said, and I, my grandfather, that was my grandfather. My grandfather, he's my dad, my grandfather. He said, you know, if I look after the weaker people of this earth, God will look after me and will care for me. That's why I do it. And that's like, that's, that's his, that's like, all right. That's like, you know what I mean? Like, you need to remember, hear this. I read through historic stories of, of my ancestors and I'm like, oh my goodness, what they experienced. They went to prison in Bern because they were on the street preaching the gospel. And back then it was not okay to preach on the street. In, in, and he was like forbidden to go ever to Bern. That's like, and he went to prison because of that. And then he had to move to Germany. And like, you know, so do you, and you might not have that story. You might not have that history, but we have that history. We have the Bible. We're part of that history. Do we look back what God has done? You know, you, you might sit here and like think like, all right, then I have not experienced those miracles. I, like, I can't tell about those stories. But you know, the, just the fact that you have air in your lungs could give enough reverence to God to bow down to him. Because if he would not give you air in your lung, you would be dead the moment, the second. So every day I get up, there's air in my lungs. The creator of heaven and earth has given me life today. You might not even believe in God. He has given you life. You might not even acknowledge him, but he has. And I don't know how long, but today, if you hear my voice, he has given you life. And I think that's already reason enough to say, I have fear of God, reverence of him. You know, our history of Switzerland, I just looked up a copy of our constitution, where it says, in the name of God the Almighty. Maybe we have the picture. Um, and and so I look back and I think, all right, you know, some people say like, where does, the, where does the blessing of this country come from? Why do we get to live here? My kids ask me, like my friends that live now in Senegal, I'm like, why we, we can just live in this amazing place? Why? And I think it's a blessing of God. It's a blessing of God because already for many, many hundred years there were people say, in the name of God Almighty, we're going to create this country. That is not a promise that it will always continue like that if we don't honor him. But that's just our story. The question is, do we acknowledge our story and start to give honor and fear to God? Or do we just think, we're just really great bankers. We're just awesome people. That's why... We live like that. Or do we acknowledge that maybe it's a blessing of God? So do we get that? Looking back helps us to have fear of God. And the second thing is, the fear of God shapes our present action and speech. 
how we look at our present time. The question is, what is our confession? What is our confession? What do we confess to now? And we can practice the fear of God through our confession now. Let's go back into the Bible, Numbers chapter uh, 14, verse 2 to 7. Read with me the same story again. The people of God, the, Egypt, the, the Israelites, they came out of Egypt, were in the desert. Now they are just before entering the promised land. The spies coming back after checking out the land and they said, all the Israelites crumble against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if one if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? That was their confession. And it did not reflect the fear of God. It did not reflect the power of God. It didn't give him honor. It didn't trust him. We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. It's their confession. And it says, if the Lord is pleased with it, he will lead us into the land. A land flowing with milk and honey. He will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land. Because we will devour it. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid. What's your confession? Does it reflect the power and the glory of God? Or is it just limited to your experience? To your personal level of might, what you can do. Often a miracle of God comes where we trust him more than we trust the circumstances. You know, in my life, when we got married, we had often more days left than money. <laughs> and we chose in the beginning to say, I'm going to put my trust in God. I'm going to put my trust in what he has written in the word. And he says that those who seek first the kingdom of God, they will get everything they need. Seek first. And it says that, you know, those who put their trust in God, they will never be put to shame. And we, we put our trust in God. We seek first the kingdom of God. And we gave what belonged to God every month, knowing that if he would not provide a miracle, we would not have enough money at the end of the month. We never experienced greater miracles than back then. I'm not saying we always need to live like that, that we don't have enough money. But I'm saying, even if the circumstances might not look great, the question is, what do you trust? What's your confession? What's your reaction? Does the fear of God shape your present action, your present deeds? Or is it the fear of man, the fear of money? 
Billy Graham, another great revivalist. I love reading about him. He died a couple of years ago. And he studied with another friend of him in the university, the Bible. And when you study the Bible, the more you study, the more you realize you don't understand everything. And this is like, do you still trust the Bible? And they both were at the same point. They were both preaching. They were both already evangelists. And Billy Graham then said, you know what? I'm going to trust the Bible. I'm going to have fear of God that even if I don't every, understand everything, I trust him. And the fear of God brings me to the place where I honor him and I will honor his word. And he decided to do that. And the other person decided not to do that. The other friend became one of the better known atheists in, the, in this country later in the years. And Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists of our now time. And it was not much after that. Also in 1949, where we have a picture when he bowed down in front of the Bible and prayed uh, with his friend. That was not the friend, that was his friend for life. And shortly after that, and I don't think it's a coincidence, he had his Los Angeles revival. He planned it for three weeks. It went eight weeks. And that's what kicked off his whole ministry. And all what started before was a decision to fear God, trust Him. And nowadays we live in a, in a day and age where it's also really easy to say like, I don't trust that anymore. I don't see it like that anymore because I don't, it doesn't make sense for my mind. Who are we? We're not God. It doesn't always need to make sense for our mind. The question is, so you will look back and we see those people who put the trust in God, they will never be put to shame. So where do we want to end? What are we confessing today? So the fear of God brings us to confession today. And the last thing is the fear of God shapes our prayer life. And I want to end with that. And uh, here we go. The question is, our prayer life, what's your proclamation? Um, may, oh, 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 yes. Can you read that? What's your proclamation? That's it. Oh. What's your proclamation? What do you proclaim? What do you speak about? What do you confess? What, what, how do you see the future? Is the fear of God in your speech, speech about the future? Is the trust in Him in how you speak about the future, how you speak about your kids, how you speak about your business, how you speak about your health, how you speak about the future of this earth, about the future of Switzerland, about the future of your family. Is there fear of God tangible in your speech? The spies, they were saying, if God, you know, the land is amazing. If God is for us, they will, nobody can stand against us. That is a fear of God in their speech. I, I feel like if there is a fear of God coming into our prayer life, into our speech, our prayer life definitely will not be any more just religious or like just, we just, like do it without even thinking. 
because we realized, you know what, there is a rawness, an authenticness, a faith in our speech, in our prayer life. It's the essence of God who defines our prayer life and not the essence of our experience. And I find it very interesting also looking at that example of those two women in Hebrides. And they were always declaring Isaiah 44, verse 3. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. Did they see that? No. But the, 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 the trust in God, the fear of God, made them, brought them to the place where they said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that over our community. I'm going to believe for this in my life, for this country, for my friends, for my kids. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. What a, what a testimony of faith. The fear of God shaped their testimony. It shaped their confession and it shaped their proclamation. I was a couple of weeks ago in a place where I realized, you know what, I, I need... I, there's just, I'll, I have a lot of, I have a lot of prayer requests. I, or that's like very spiritually said. I, I've, I have problems. Do you have problems? I have, pro or let's put it that way. I have things that cause me to worry. Who has that? I have things that cause me to worry. And I have things, and I believe a lot of people here, you have things that cause you to worry. Maybe you're even afraid. Maybe you're actually in front of a lot of problems. Maybe the whole situation in your world, in our society, you don't even know what to do. You don't know anymore what to believe. And I was in such a moment and I realized, you know what? I, I want to make a faith statement now. And then I heard this verse in Psalms and it stuck with me and I printed it out because I remember there was a time where I also have, I had, had things that I could worry about. In the first couple of years of our marriage, there were like a lot of things we didn't know. And I started putting, printing out promises of God and sticking it on our wall wardrobes to remind me every day about what God is saying into my situation. And I remember that, how it helped me back then. So I said, well, I'm gonna do that again. And I printed it out, sticked it on, on the wardrobe and it says this, and I often read it. Praise the Lord, my soul. That's my confession. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins. Oh God, I thank you that you forgive all my sins. And he heals all my diseases. I thank you God that you're my healer. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Oh my God, I thank you that you crown my life with love and compassion. Oh, I'm not just going to be crowned with great clothes. I'm going to be crowned with love and compassion. Oh, this is awesome. Love and compassion. I like that. I want to have love and compassion. 
This is my, my proclamation. Even if things go, don't go the way I want, I want to have love and compassion. This is what I want to be crowned for. This is what I want to look for. This is what I want to look like. Praise the Lord who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed with like the eagles. I realize there are a lot of things in my life that I can tr try to satisfy my heart with. But here it says, God satisfies my desires with good things. Alcohol is not gonna, it's not gonna fulfill it with good things. Other things, sport, it all might be good, but it's not gonna be fulfilling my soul with such good things like God is doing. So this is my confession. What is your confession over your situation? You know, the fear of God, and I'm going to end with that. And that message is not something to point to somebody else or that person doesn't have the fear of God. It's not that. Fear of God always starts with me. Who am I to say that you don't have fear of God because you live a certain way? The question is, do I fear God? Is the way I confess my situation now reflecting the fear of God? My proclamation, is it reflecting the fear of God? My action, my speech, my thoughts. And you know, one day there will come a time when the fear of God will be demanded. That's when Jesus comes back. But, but until then, we can give Him the fear of God. And it's better to give it that one day He will come back and He will demand it. Because one day every knee will bow. bow. The question is, will we do now? And I'm going to have now a moment. I don't know actually how to end the message. Um, but I'm going to end it with some, some quietness. Quietness? I don't know if that word's a word. Silence. Thank you so much. Why don't we sh close our eyes? God, um, help us to fear you again in a proper way, to honor you again in the way you deserve it. Remind us again who we are and who you are. God, have mercy on us when we live the way where the didn't acknowledge who you are. Have mercy on us. Where we tr lived like you wouldn't be there. You wouldn't be God. You wouldn't have done what you have done. Have mercy on us. of a moment of silence. Hey, thanks for watching. Hey, I 
our passion for people is that we see them grow in their relationship with Jesus, live fearlessly and influence their people and the surrounding in a positive way. And if you would like to be part of that vision, we thank you so much for your financial support because that would make it possible. I hope that this message spoke to you really. And if you don't have subscribed to our channel, please do this. And it's always a big blessing. Maybe you know some people in your neighborhood or in your friendship. They, that podcast could be a very, very cool thing. Just share the link because it's pretty, pretty easy. And I'm looking forward to see you again. Tune in and God bless you and see you soon.